0: Well, it's almost here, just about, just a day or two, and it'll, and it'll just be uh, the joy of opening all those gifts and having fun with your family or friends, and it just can't help but bring back memories of uh, surprises in your past, as well as maybe a few disappointments. I remember as a teenager, I was playing basketball out back, and. Uh, uh, shooting baskets up against a garage. Remember I used to do that? And uh, my, my rubber basketball had about three patches and a, a couple of lines of glue on it. And, and I, I started about August hinting, <clears throat> I'd really like to have a new rubber basketball for Christmas. And my folks did not have a clue about sports. They were into education. They were serious. And here I was wanting to talk about a basketball. And I kept saying, oh, it'll be great. I'll be a better student if I can enjoy the little exercise out back and stay in better shape. You know, and I hunted and hunted. And in about three or four days before Christmas, the box appeared under the the tree. It was exactly the right size. I shook it. I smelled of it. I, nobody was around, I tried to take a peek in the the wrapping, I couldn't get into it, but I tell you, on Sunday, on Christmas morning, when it was time to open the gifts and my turn came, I tore into that thing like a banshee, and there it was, a brand new Rand McNally World Atlas. (laughs) World globe, right there. (laughs) Ever tried to dribble a world globe? or shoot a jump shot with a world globe. My mother said, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna need that globe someday. You're, I thought, yeah, right. Not right now, I don't. <laughs> Speaking of surprises, I read a cute story sometime back of three brothers who had grown up, their dad had died rather early, so their mother had really endeared herself to them during their college and and uh, young adult years they absolutely adored her and interestingly all three of them became successful in in different realms the first one was a home builder and the boys got their or the men got their heads together one christmas just before the day and they said to each other boy we got plans for mom the older brother said i have uh, in in my home building, I I've, I've, I've built her a beautiful, big new house. And Christmas Day, I'm gonna drive her over to it and show it to her, she's gonna love it. And the second son, who had made his fortune in luxury car dealerships, he owned several, said, well, I picked out a Mercedes 600 SL. I'm gonna give her, along with that, a driver. For the rest of her life, she'll have wheels, she'll have a great vehicle, and she'll have this guy to drive her wherever she wants to go. Can't wait to give it to her. The third one, smiling the whole time, he said, well, I'm going to give her a parrot. And they looked at him like he was from another planet. He said, let me tell you, let me tell you. Several months ago, I had a priest tell me about this parrot that 20 of the priests in the church had been training to quote every verse in the Bible. You know how Mama will send us a note and always put a verse on it? We were growing up, she'd always add a verse of scriptures. All she's got to do is name the chapter and the verse and that parrot will spit it out. I'm going to give her that parrot. She will love it. And what do they call it? Well, I've got to give the church $100,000 for 10 years, but it's worth it. It's worth it because she will use this parrot and, and enjoy for the rest of it. Well, Christmas Day came and the day of reckoning. She uh, finally wrote a thank you note to each of the boys and she said to uh, Melvin, the oldest, she said, uh, Melvin, uh, you were very, very thoughtful to, to, to give me this great big house, but it's too big. I only live in two or three rooms and and Furthermore, it, it's a hassle to keep it clean. I gotta hire two people now to keep it clean. I'm gonna send you a bill for those two people every week that are gonna come over to clean this big house, but I thank you. So she writes to uh, Marvin, the middle son, says, it's a beautiful car, but I don't drive and I don't travel, and all my groceries are delivered to me, and furthermore, the driver's got a bad attitude. I'm not crazy about the whole thing, but I thank you for the car. But, she said, Mitchell, that parrot, it is so great. Thank you. Love it. She said, it's wonderful. And I appreciate so much the gift. By the way, it was delicious. (laughs) It was just delicious. Mom. I got another cute story that I came across. Somebody sent it to me at Christmas time. All kinds of surprises happened. Orville Smith, a store manager for Best Buy in Augusta, Georgia, during this Christmas season told the police that he observed a, a, a male customer who was on surveillance cameras putting a laptop computer under his jacket. When he was confronted, the man became irate, knocked down another employee, drew a knife, and ran for the door. Just outside on the sidewalk were four Marines collecting toys for the Toys for Tots program. Smith said the Marines stopped the man, but he stabbed one of the Marines, Corporal Philip Duggan in the back, The injury didn't appear to be severe, but after the police and an ambulance arrived at the scene, Corporal Duggan was transported for treatment. And the subject was also transported to the local hospital with two broken arms, a broken ankle, a broken leg, several missing teeth, possible broken ribs, multiple contusions, assorted lacerations, a broken nose, and a broken jaw. Injuries he sustained, they said, when he slipped off the curb after stabbing the Marine. (laughs) God bless the Marine Corps. Crazy. No, it's okay. you You don't have to. Now, I want to tell you about the most surprising gift of all and what a privilege it is to do it. This is my 56th Christmas message. All right. And I honestly am as excited about this one as I was about the first one. First one, I was really nervous. I'm not nervous now. I'm just excited to tell you about God's special gift to all of us. His love gift from heaven. He could have given us anything. And he gave us his best gift. John tells us God so loved the world. Put your name there. God so loved you that he gave you his only begotten son that if you believe in him you will never perish but you will have everlasting life god saved his very best gift a sacrificial gift and gave him to us when paul wrote about that gift years later he used these words Thank God for his gift, too wonderful for words. Listen to the way others have paraphrased or translated 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God, J.B. Phillips paraphrases, for his indescribable generosity. James Moffat, for his unspeakable gift the Good News Bible, for his priceless gift. Chrysostom uses the rare term ineffable. It's an old word, ineffable. This word prompted another man to write, when what God bestows is ineffable, what must the gift be himself? I've noticed it's the tendency of artists to portray this gift too wonderful for words in an overstated manner. By that I mean they will add to the little infant a halo or they'll put an aura, a glowing aura about the child and make him look angelic It was none of that. In appearance, he just looked like any other Jewish baby. The truth is, talk about surprises, God who came to earth to live among us did not come as a raging whirlwind or in a Devouring fire. Commanding the world to bow down and worship. No. What stands out is a term that no great king ever used. What stands out is the humility of it all. The obscurity of it. Because no most people will ever go to Israel. You have to imagine a place like Bethlehem, or even a shelter behind a place of lodging, which they found where they would stay. One man writes Unimaginably the maker of all things. Shrank down, 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 so small as to become an ovum, a single fertilized egg barely visible to the naked eye, an egg that would divide and redivide until a fetus took shape, enlarging cell by cell. Inside a nervous teenager, another wrote, Immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. It's the way the poet John Donne put it. He made himself nothing. Or you remember Paul's words? He humbled himself and became a servant. Those who lived in that day, and many even today, remembered the words of the prophet, which didn't sound very humble when you read them. Go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Turn there, where the prophet writing, get this, eight 800 years before the birth of the Messiah. Seven to eight hundred years before then, Isaiah wrote 9, verse 6, a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Look at those two phrases. The child is born, that's the earthly point of view, where a woman has a child. A son is given, that's the heavenly point of view, where God gave his son, So both are covered here. And then immediately the prophet races to the time when he will reign as king of kings and lord of lords. And look at these these exalted words. The government will rest on his shoulders. The word will moves us to the future. Future even to our day. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called literally a wonder of a counselor mighty god father of eternity literally peace prince look at those words wonderful mighty eternal prince his government and its peace will never end, and on and on it goes. When you read that, you, you anticipate the arrival of, of, of royalty. But that's not how he came the first time. That's how he will come the second time. But the first time, which is what we observe every Christmas season, his arrival is anything but a, a royal arrival. Every year, I sort of dust off Philip Yancey's book, The Jesus I Never Knew. It's a wonderful book that covers the birth of Jesus and his life in a very unusual way. He writes in a way that you don't normally read in a, from a Christian author as he writes of of a Jesus that he came to realize and was never taught when he was growing up about him. I quote from his work. In London, looking toward the auditorium's royal box where the queen and her family sat, I caught glimpses of the more typical way rulers stride through the world with bodyguards and a trumpet flare and a flourish of bright clothing and flashing jewelry. Queen Elizabeth II had recently visited these United States and reporters delighted in spelling out the logistics involved. Listen to these logistics. Her 4,000 pounds of luggage included two outfits for every occasion, a morning outfit in case someone died while visiting the States, 40 pints of plasma, and white kid leather toilet seat covers. She brought along her own hairdresser, two valets, a driver for her vehicle, and a host of other attendants. A brief visit of royalty to a foreign country can easily cost $20 million. Yancey continues, In meek contrast, God's visit to earth took place in an animal shelter with no attendants present and nowhere to lay the newborn king but a feed trough. The event that divided history and even our calendars into two parts may have had more animals than human witnesses. A mule could have stepped on him. How silently, how silently this wondrous gift is given. In the flare and flourish of our Christmas season, pause. Be still. Return to the realism of the original scene. Don't dress it up. Don't make it look good or smell good. It was a rough place. Even though we read the familiar account in Luke chapter 2, every year it never fails to, to grip us with a sense of surprise. When God made his entrance into this earth, onto this earth, he came as an unknown, an unexpected one no trumpet flare, no loud announcement from some king he chose a virtually unknown couple from up in Galilee Nazareth where a contemporary once said can anything good come out of Nazareth sort of a sort of a military town where soldiers bivouacked and buried. This couple traveled on foot from Nazareth, 90 miles down to Bethlehem of Judea, while she was heavy with that child of hers. And when they reached their destination, get this, No one was there to greet them, because no one knew them. No place had been reserved for their lodging. All the places were filled because this was taxation time and everybody had returned to their distant county seat to register. There was no food, there was no water, brought to them only what they could scavenge or draw from a nearby well in a borrowed bucket. There were no bathroom facilities available. No midwife was there to assist this this Jewish, this teenage girl, this mother-to-be about to bear her firstborn. I pause here and ask you who are mothers to remember your firstborn. Remember your feelings. And most likely you had clean bed sheets. Quite probably you were in a hospital surrounded by a nursing staff that was competent and caring a physician that was close and ready, a specialist in obstetrics, and there were others there in case of an emergency. There were instruments available to help you, everything to make it as comfortable as it could be. But we read in Luke 2, and I want them to land hard in your mind while they were there the time came for her baby to be born she's never had a baby she's going to have it on the dirt floor of an animal shelter where she will squat and Joseph will help as best he can uh, and and by the way husbands aren't 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 really that helpful and uh, that's why they don't let us in there that that much at least they used to not when Cynthia had our four they when labor really got intense they ushered us out it was in our case for our first morning it was at Baylor hospital i was I was, what was I, a third year student at Dallas seminary and, and uh, Cynthia was in there having a baby and I'm out trying to look cool sitting among seasoned dads in what was called the dads den and I'm reading a newspaper guy looks over at me sitting there in overalls and he says first baby and I go yeah Yeah, really, he said, I figured, because your newspaper's upside down. (laughs) And that's how helpful we are. We have a friend who, not married at the time, was driving for he was an Uber driver. And when you are an Uber driver, you see everything. And he picked up a lady, he said, I noticed she was a little large, and she got in the back, and as soon as she got in, I'm driving her to a destination. She says, I'm having a baby. The baby's coming. The baby's coming. And he says, No, 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 lady, anyway, wait, we're almost there. And he's driving along and she says, yeah I, can't, yeah, I can't wait. It's coming. And he's thinking it's gonna be all over the back seat of a car. I gotta stop. So he stopped caring a little more about his car than the woman. He drags her, doesn't drag her out, but he helps her out of the car. And he get see what I mean? He gets her over on the driveway and then the front yard and there. He and he's with the other hand dialing 911 and out comes the baby and he delivers this baby. This this former Marine Uber driver is now delivering a baby. That's a scary thought right there. And and everything's fine. He says it's all this stuff wrapped around a big long cord. And I thought, I'm gonna leave him that alone. And so he finally, the emergency people come and they, they take care of everything. He, he's got to get all cleaned up, and I thought that is, that is so typical. And think of Joseph. Um, yeah, I got the water, and uh, here's some rags. Okay, what do I do next? Well, you might wipe off the baby's face. Okay, so he, and this is all happening with two teenagers. I mean, if you want to make it in today's terms, there are two millennials having a baby. I said to Cynthia, I'm going to call a millennial. She said, don't use that word. Don't call a millennial. I said, well, I'm going to do it. So, honey, I'm using the word. So, there you go. They they don't know what they're doing. We got this thing all religious looking, and that nativity scene, there's no blood and stuff all over everything. There shouldn't be but it's really clean. There's nothing clean about this. She gave birth to her firstborn son and she cleans him up as best she can, cuts the cord and holds him close. And like the song goes that we love, when she kissed her little baby, she kissed the face of God. For the first time, somebody on earth kissed a baby that was God. And when she looked into those little eyes, her tiny baby's eyes, she looked into eyes that only months before had witnessed the glories of heaven and had been there in all the resplendent, splendor, of the third heaven, the throne room of the king, from which he had come. And here he is, and when he cries out, for the first time on earth, the voice of God is heard from the throat of an infant. 33 years later, she'll hear a cry again, as she witnesses her grown son hanging from a cross, crying out, to tell us die! it is finished. As he pays the price for the sins of the whole world and completes his mission. Mary was there for it all. Can I remind you of something you may have forgotten? That's why he came. That's why he came. It's, it's unlike any one of us. We're all born to, to reach our potential, to find our area of gift, to, to go for our place of success. He came to die, he came to die. How magnificent it was that Charles Wesley would write, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Throughout my ministry, I've been intrigued by the two natures of the God-man. I've always loved the study of the hypostatic union, undiminished deity and true humanity in one person, unmixed, forever there, in bodily form, the only member of the Trinity with a body, altogether unique. And you can witness these two natures at work throughout his earthly ministry. He gets tired like a man would be tired, and he sleeps. But he gets up and he calms the sea as only God can calm it. His heart is broken over the needs of a woman who can't stop hemorrhaging, and as God, the touch of his garment heals her of the flowing of the blood. He weeps over the loss of Lazarus and as only God can do, he raises him from the dead. The God-man. The one who began life had bypassed Caesar palace and he came to be born in a, an animal shelter of all places that reeked with animal urine and dung. And here he is, an infant who could not speak when he's born, an infant who could not eat solid food until he got teeth that grew from his gums, an infant who couldn't control his bowels or bladder when he comes onto this earth, an infant who depended on a teenage couple for protection and love and shelter. And yet, he held the universe in place. That little baby lying on straw in the feed trough holds the universe in place. Keep that perspective in mind and you'll stay healthy in your theology of Christmas. Here he is, the one whom no one cared for. He came unto his own things, but his own ones did not receive him and did not welcome him. But as many as did receive him, he gave them the authority to become children of God even those that believe in his name. I'm one of them. You may be one of them. You may not. You may not. So you're going to celebrate opening gifts and the, and the songs of Christmas and, and, and the sounds and the smells and the beauty and the food and all the things that go with it to go to bed at night with an empty heart and no savior, not sure you will wake up tomorrow morning. Just met a couple just this morning who were here to visit the man's mother. They live in, in another state. Mother has been the picture of health until a stroke came and she's now a different person. You never saw it coming There wasn't a hint. Everything changed. Here's the Savior. Here he is. God sent him to you. And he says to you, take him. Open this gift. He comes without any cost to you. He picked up the tab at Calvary. He paid the price at Golgotha. So I love every Christmas Eve when we close our time together to remind everyone of a, of a beautiful piece that I've quoted every year for as long as I can remember since I was celebrating Christmas as a pastor. Many of you missed the Christmas Eve services and you may not have heard. Others of you have heard it, but it does, does you uh, good to hear it again. Listen to this, this poem in contrast. Listen to the contrasts. The maker of the universe as man for man was made a curse. The claims of laws which he had made unto the uttermost he paid. His holy fingers made the bough, where grew the thorns that crowned his brow. The nails that pierced his hands were mined in secret places he designed. He made the forests whence there sprung the tree on which his body hung. He died upon a cross Cross of wood, yet made the hill on which it stood. The sky which darkened o'er his head, by him above the earth was spread. The sphere which spilt his precious blood was tempered in the fires of God. The grave in which his form was laid was hewed. In rocks, his hands had made. The throne on which he now appears was his from everlasting years. But a new glory crowns his brow, and every knee to him shall bow. Amen? Amen. Every knee to him will bow, even yours. You who are cynics, you who have this idea that you're your own person, it's all about you, you'll believe that until you have your stroke. And then you can't take care of yourself. And then you'll realize what you've missed my pleasure this Christmas message to make you aware of the Savior. Not that you won't enjoy your Christmas celebration. Enjoy it. Delight in it. Have fun and sing and dance and rejoice together. But somewhere along the way, pause and let the wonder in and thank him. For coming and dying for you. Bow your heads, please. Just sit quietly there for a few moments. You've listened so well and I appreciate that. But now's the time to respond. If you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, you're not ready to celebrate. You're living on borrowed time and empty hopes. You're only human. You must draw your breath like every one of us and when that breath stops, you're gone. My mother died in her sleep, Lay down for a nap, not that old, And never woke up. But she was ready. She went to sleep on earth and woke up in heaven. Where will you wake up? Today you can guarantee where you'll wake up. By trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. As your own God and Savior. Do that now. Right now. simple prayer heavenly father i i'm i'm lost i'm sinful i live at a distance from you and i acknowledge today that jesus came and died for me and i take him as my own because of your grace thank you for coming into my life dear lord By doing so, you will begin to worship him. The songs will begin to make sense. And the season will have a ring of joy and truth about it. It's never had before. Dear Father, how grateful we are for the message of hope there is in Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for sending him to us. Thank you for releasing him from the joys of heaven and the magnificence of your splendor and allowing him to come and pay the price for our sins on this earth. Thank you that he fulfilled his mission and paid that price in full. Today we worship him. In fact, we adore him as our savior and our lord sing with me will you oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him